I am Plant on the Line in Vancouver, British Columbia at thecommentary.ca. Laura Crozier joins me again. A posthumous collection of Patrick Lane's poetry has just been published, and Lorna has compiled, edited, and introduced the collection, The Quiet in Me. The poems in it are often moving. They're meditations on existing, and they're laments for the world around us, the outdoors that Patrick revered and loved. These are poems that Patrick composed in recent years before his death in March 2019. Patrick appeared on uh, three times on this program, and uh, once after an illness he made mention of having to compose some poetry typing one finger at a time. I'll ask Lauren about Patrick's love of poetry, about receiving a folder of poems, ones that ended up in this collection, and the process to which she undertook to edit them without her beloved Patrick around. Lorna Crozier is the author of 18 previous books of poetry, receiving the Governor General's Literary Award for Poetry for Inventing the Hawk. Three additional collections were finalists for the same prize. She received the Hubert Evans Award for Creative Nonfiction for her memoir, Small Beneath the Sky, which uh, she was on this program with in 2009. She's an officer of the Order of Canada, and in this province has received the B.C. Lieutenant Governor's Award for Literary Excellence and the George Woodcock Lifetime Achievement Award. She is Professor Emerita at the University of Victoria. Visit lornacrozier.ca for more. This is uh, Lorna's fifth appearance. She was last on uh, in 2020 when her remarkable memoir on her life with Patrick was published. Uh, Through the Garden, A Love Story with Cats is one of the more remarkable books of the decade. Patrick's collection, The Quiet in Me, is from Harbor Publishing. We spoke 10 days ago. Please uh, welcome back to the Plant Online program, Lorna Crozier. Professor Crozier, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Nice to talk to you again. Um, th- this uh, collection um, is, is remarkable in so many ways. Um, it gives us back Patrick for a little while longer again. Um, he, he was such a great fan of poetry. How did he view his own poetry? Oh, well, um, I know that he wanted it to be the absolute best that it could. He had, you know, extremely, extremely high standards. He didn't want to be the kind of poet who repeated himself. So, you know, he would try different, uh, different ways of, of, of ending a line, different line lengths, that whole kind of thing. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it, it, it his poetry was the world to him. He wrote two novels and a memoir, but he always said to me that nothing could match the way he felt when he wrote a poem, and he knew the poem worked. Did, did he know he was good? You know, I think so. I think so, because he got so much acclaim, and uh, he certainly, he was a, a, an amazing live reader, and you, you know when you're, when you're doing well in a room, when you get that feeling back from those who listen, mm-hmm. you know, there's a kind of silence that follows the, the ending of, of a poem that you know has hit home, and he certainly felt that, that silence in, in the room when he read. So, you know, I, I, he wasn't uh, immodest, but mm. I, I knew that he was writing things of value. You write in the foreword uh, to uh, this collection, The Quiet in Me, that he gave you this folder of poems. When did he actually work on them? Well, probably between um, his last novel and maybe six months maybe before mm-hmm. he died. So it would have been maybe a two-, three-year period. I don't know if he was writing the occasional poem while he was working on uh, 
deep river night or mm-hmm. not. Um, I know he was in his office for hours finishing that novel, and, and even, you know, he fell ill when he was in the middle of his edits. And and I remember him saying from his hospital bed, the uh, my editor wants me to write a new opening chapter, and I don't think I can do it. I don't think I'm well enough to do it. And I said, well, I bet you are, but just ask them for more time. So mm-hmm. he was he was really sick then, and he, he did write an, a new opening chapter to the novel. And probably just before that, he might have been working on the odd poem or two to give himself a bit of relief from, from writing prose. I, I interviewed him during that period, and um, I remember him telling me that... that um, uh, the, the pain was bad at one point that, that he only had use of say one finger and yeah. he would write with one finger and so so uh, I, I believe those are poems that are in this collection is that right yeah yeah he um, the problem was that that whatever autoimmune disease he had mm-hmm. none of the seven specialists were able to diagnose it and the symptoms were so strange and radical Maybe when he was talking to you, he had a big swollen up hand, mm. and it, it looked almost like gout, but mm-hmm. it turned out it wasn't because he had x-rays and the crystals weren't there. So it was just suddenly his hand would be useless. Suddenly he couldn't turn his head. Suddenly his skin was so sensitive, he, nothing could touch him. You know, suddenly it looked like he had food poisoning, but he didn't. So. You know, probably in, in that time, he uh, he was finding it very, very hard to hold a pen. And, and the thing that strikes me as I read a number of the poems in, in The Quiet in Me, um, you get a sense of somebody who's looking back, but then um, looking ahead almost, in a way, to, to the inevitable. And there's so much wisdom in, in, in a number of these poems. I, I don't, know, don't know really where to begin in terms of um, how to say think about how he viewed life at that point yeah. um, what was the sense that you got being near him and next to him in, in terms of, of where his mind was at in terms of, of being you know close to the end say yeah you know I I don't know for sure that he knew he was close to the end because we both hoped that he would get diagnosed and if not get cured, mm. at least the doctors would come up with some kind of treatment that mm-hmm. would give him some more years. But that maybe he knew and he just didn't want me to know because he was so worried about me, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of sad because that means we couldn't frankly talk about the fact that maybe he was indeed dying in those last several months. But I know in his in his self, he, uh, I think many of the edges that Patrick had as a, a young man, many of the raw edges mm-hmm. were, were, had been sanded away. He really did come to a kind of peace in himself and in his life. Um, the garden continued to sustain him. The cats continued to delight him. Our relationship uh, was in a very a very good place. We weren't yelling and fighting and throwing things anymore like we did when we were younger and together. Mm-hmm. We were we were very mellow together, um, partly, I think, just because of aging and, and partly because we, we learned how to, how to survive and, and just treasure one another. So I think those poems come from a, an older man mm-hmm. um, looking back and maybe trying to come to terms with what these final hours meant to him. Um, 
it's funny when I when I first read these poems when he asked me to look at them, I didn't see the shadow of death in them at the time. Mm. But when I edited them for this book, and he was no longer with me, I thought, oh my God, Lorna, how could you how could you have missed that? It's it's definitely there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And the other thing that, that's that's remarkable is, is how he evokes memory in in this collection. I mean, you know. Um, we're both of us not old enough to have grown up with him, but I mean, when, when he talks about, say, delivering the baby when, when yeah. he was a first aid man, or, or seeing the, the, even just the, the color of places like the cathedral in Chartres, um, yeah. we're there with him, aren't we? Oh, we really are. He had an amazing, I don't know if it was a photographic memory, but he, he had an amazing um, ability to lock images in his head. Mm. Um, often visual images like what you were mentioning. And uh, I remember when he wrote his memoir, he said it was just like he played a film reel inside his brain and all he had to do was, was write down what he was able to see from years and years and years past. He was a man, you know, who had a lot of experiences in life. Yeah. He wasn't simply, uh, you know, someone at to university and then became a university professor and taught poetry and wrote poetry. He, he only had a grade 12 education, so he was an autodidact, found the books he needed and wanted to read on his own. And, and he was one of, I think, our uh, few working-class poets in our country who, uh, who actually knew the forests and knew the mills and, as a child, camped out in the Okanagan Hills before they were populated by you know, uh, street after street of people from the prairies who moved there and, and tourists. And he knew the wild in, in our country, and he knew the wild in working people. Yeah. And he knew the wild in himself and was able to turn it into such a civilized and graceful language. Yeah, he, he gives voice to the natural world, the creatures in it as well. Um, so marvelously well. I mean, the, the the line about the iceberg, for example, an animal gone astray in search of time. I mean, yeah. you could we could spend half an hour just breaking that down. <laughs> I know they're they're quite startling images, aren't they? They just they just make you catch your breath. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm 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 so um, so honored to have worked on these poems for him at the end, mm -hmm. and uh, and honored to have been around him for forty years because. I do think he was a remarkable writer and a remarkable man. This reverence that he had for, for the natural world, I mean, he, he talks about this, the, the, how it angered him when, when humans would damage others and the planet itself. Um, yeah. This consciousness, he, he had this growing up, didn't he, even, even as a kid, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, he would head off into the, into the hills with a fishing rod and, and a, 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 a crummy tent, you know, not, not the good equipment that mm -hmm. we have nowadays because his family didn't have a lot of money and and he would, you know, stay at night and wander the lakes and wander the creeks. And, and that was a time when, when he saw that the world was populated by bobcats and coyotes and bears and, and eagles. And uh, it was before we managed to, to make them lesser and lesser in our universe. And that's really what he, what he held on to. And it's finally what broke his heart um, the last few years of his life. He could hardly bear to, mm. to read the news about this climate catastrophe that we are embedded in and, and what we continue to do, destroying habitat and destroying our fellow creatures. It, it, really, it really made him ache. I actually worried about that part of him um, because he, 
he seemed like a tough guy, you yeah, know, yeah. kind of a manly man, but sure. he was so tender, so tender at heart. And he really suffered for the suffering of others. Yeah, one learns a lot reading him, in, especially in, in, in poems in this collection, when, when he sees, you know, he talks about the garden. Yeah. Um, just learning a lot about seeing the world differently. And yeah. I think we all could use that, you know, a lot of us could at least. Yeah, I it, it's. I think his poems tell us to open our eyes and and to see the small beauties that are around us and uh, and and thrive on them and help to make them thrive and grow and continue to have a place in the world. The other delightful thing is I'm reading uh, the Quiet in Me is is, is getting a, a marvelous sense of his love of language. Um, the wordsmith is at work in these poems. <laughs> Um, even when he uses unfamiliar words, uh, uh, words that have you know gone out of uh, fashion, if you will, or, or non-English words as well, he's a great fascination with with that, didn't he? Yes, and and with the sounds of words, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what poetry does. Of course, it makes it makes words because we're so concerned with getting the sound right and using sound repetitions. I think he was a master of subtle rhyming. You know, yeah. when you read his poems out loud, you can you can hear the echoes that maybe you miss if you read them quietly on mm-hmm. the page. And of course, while he was writing, he would be reading them out loud, and he would be finding ways to to make the acoustics richer. And and that was as important to him as what he was saying was the sound of what he was saying. Did he miss teaching at the end? You know, he continued to um, teach private workshops. I see. And up until he was sick. He taught about three a year, and they would be three- or four-day workshops, and a lot of the people who went to them were people who had already published poetry books, um, and they kept they kept coming back and coming back and coming back. So he had the same students who did not want to let him go. And it was only his last two years that, uh, that he stopped doing that because he just wasn't well enough. One time I had to run out and, and substitute for him because... It was the morning he woke up and he couldn't turn his head uh-huh. and had this huge ache in his neck. And I think that was the start of this awful illness, but neither of us knew it then. We thought his neck was stiff from typing his novel and not getting up from his computer. But uh, he loved he loved that teaching, and his students just, just adored him. They want to talk to me all the time about what they learned from Patrick. So... He's got this wonderful legacy, and, and, of course, he taught people like Steve Price and, you know, S.A. Dugin, mm-hmm, to just mm-hmm. name two wonderful ones, yeah. who, who became our friends after they weren't our students anymore, and, uh, and they, they just adored him and he them. Yeah, I, I've talked to a lot of poets over, over the years who, who've always uh, talked about um, how much um, they loved him and, and yeah. admired him. And and he did he loved them back didn't he I mean um, what's that oh. line from from uh, the king and I the, from your pupils you were taught he did get something out of them didn't he Oh most definitely most definitely and what it did for him when he was preparing for his classes and you know he'd prepare for a week for mm-hmm. a three day class and he wrote meditations for them all the time remarkable meditations online on sound on image and and he just loved that in having to speak to them and having to up his ante all the time because he'd been with them for, I think he did these classes for about 15, 20 years. He couldn't see himself, and mm-hmm. he had to go deep into 
what he knew and what he'd forgotten he knew and bring that out so he could have a, a passionate and intelligent and challenging discussion with these poets who he was working with. Lorna, what was the process like when you were editing um, this collection, especially after he was gone? Did you have to, say, have conversations with him about, about what was happening in terms of how the, the poems would be presented, say, in a book like this? Yeah, I, I, I really did, Joe. It was extremely difficult for me at the beginning to go into these because, of course, I had to get into Patrick's mind and into his sound patterns and into his heart. And yet he wasn't here with me, and I was missing him, missing him, missing him terribly. So it was uh, a tender thing for me to do, but I also felt extremely honored. And I thought, you know, if I'm not the one to do this, who's going to do it? You know, I, I, I am his, was his literary executor in the will, and in all of our years together, we edited one another's work when one of us would ask the other to look at something. Mm -hmm. And so I knew he trusted my opinion, but at the same time, I couldn't just say, Patrick, I don't think you should have this line, what do you think? And he'd say, no, I'm going to keep it, or, <laughs> yes, you're right, I should take it out. I had to say, okay, honey, I'm going to take this line out, or I'm going to take this word out, and, and I hope you're all right with it. And I didn't get struck dead by lightning. Yeah. So I, I assumed that he was okay with, with what I did. I could just have faith, I guess, in myself and the fact that I think if, if Patrick has a good reader, it's certainly me, you know, yeah, yeah. among other people. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan, and uh, I wanted to honor him. And, of course, any changes I made, and, and they were very slight, there weren't that many, were, were to keep his voice and not push the poems in a direction in which I would have written them. I was very, very careful about that. There's one poem in the book that, that's for you. It's called Morning. Yeah. Um, what is it like to read that? Well, we always wrote for each other, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't gone back and looked in, in his books to see how many poems are love poems with me in mind. And, of course, they always, you know, you want the poem to reach out and include others, not just the singular lover, but... It was it was very sweet to have one last one from him um, in this book, and and I guess it's why I love the whole book in in uh, in general is that I feel like you know he's gone he's been gone three years now uh -huh. three years in March, and yet his words are continuing, and not just in the books he did uh, in previous years, but in this book that has come out three years after his death, we get another chance to hear him speaking. To us in in new poems and and that thrills me more than I can say yeah it makes me want to go back and read the memoir I mean I read that probably yeah. um, t more than ten years ago now yeah and yeah. Um, go back and read some of the earlier poetry collections as well I mean it, it's just a, a, a great time not only to look so, for something new but to, to look back as well yeah I hope I hope that it will have that effect show on other readers because he has left a, a major body of work, and I hope it keeps uh, getting people's attention that, uh, you know, attention must be paid, mm -hmm. as Willie Loman said, yeah. um, to, to the small man, to the small human being in our short time on this earth. I think uh, someone who, who writes so brilliantly, I hope he will, he will be remembered and his poems will still have an effect on people. 
They sure do on me. Yeah. Well, the last time we talked was when your memoir came out, a marvelous book, um, just the one that I think about regularly. Um, what did you make of the reaction to it and, and how people reacted to it? Um, well, I only heard the good reactions. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, it, it was it was wonderful. It, it was a very very warm feeling. Um, I worried that some people might find the char- the main character, who of course is me, kind of outrageous and <laughs> might be judgmental about about the lives Patrick and I led. But most of them, you know, um, were amused and 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 laughed uh, about all of our peccadillos and and and. I guess we're we're um, we're moved by the grief I was able to express. Um, the main theme being, of course, how am I going to live without my beloved? How will I go on, and who will I be? And uh, it's it's not been easy to discover that, but mm-hmm. but it's something you have to do when you're suddenly left alone. Yeah, it's it's a very beautiful book in in a lot of places, and and I th- I think. Um, it's, it's another book that I think people, um, uh, once they uh, buy and read The Quiet in Me, should, should pick up as well. Oh, thank you. Someone said that um, they thought Patrick's memoir and mine were like, like kind of two bookends. Yeah. And I, I really appreciated that because I, I think, again, I think his work is a work of genius. So if mine could sit on a shelf beside his, I would be very proud. What um, are, are you working on something now? Yeah, McClellan and Stewart is uh, uh, doing my next book of poetry, which is called After That. Mm-hmm. And they're poems that I wrote after Patrick's death, the memoir I wrote while he was still alive. And and the memoir I knew was going to end with the death of our cat. And mm. it ended with the death of him just in a postscript, but it ended with, with me full of hope. And so all of these poems were, were written about, about grief and about loss. So that's coming out next next fall well I can't wait to read that and, and until then I wish you all the best and, and um, just the congratulations on, on this collection because I think um, when we think of a lot of us when we think of him we think of you and vice versa um, just just wish you all the best thank you and it's always so great to talk to you Joe I, I appreciate you taking the time the book is called The Quiet in Me Lorna Crozier joined me on the line from uh, Saanich British Columbia in Vancouver I'm Joseph Plutter.